But last Sunday is, is a difficult time because of the first defeat that they faced. Had a great victory in Jericho, terrible defeat at Ai. It was discouraging. It was disheartening. It was depressing. So if you missed last Sunday, you probably picked a good Sunday to miss. Because today is the good side of that story. Today is a much more positive side to the uh, victory now at AI. And I, I titled it Turning uh, Defeat into Victory instead of the lesson title that they had for us because it, it, it is so dramatic, the difference between chapter 7 and chapter 8. And, but let me mention one thing that's important from last Sunday that I, that I want to talk about just for a second. And the fact that the God of the Old Testament, is he any different than the God of the New Testament? We read all of these battles. We read about the wrath of God and talked about it last Sunday in great detail. And I hear this from time to time. Oh, that's the God of the Old Testament. I'm associated with the God of the New Testament. Well, the God of the Old Testament, remember, is that when Adam and Eve sinned, it was the God of the Old Testament that forgave them. When Abraham sinned, it was the God of the Old Testament that forgave them. When King David committed adultery and then ultimately had um, Bathsheba's husband Uriah killed, it was God of the Old Testament that sent Nathan the prophet to say, Thou art the man, and David confessed his sin and God forgave him. It was the God of the Old Testament that saw the sin of Nineveh and said, This whole city is going to be destroyed, but I'm going to send Jonah to give them one last chance. And Jonah went and preached, and the greatest revival in history took place when the whole town of over 100,000 we're saved. So I, if, you, if you study the Bible through the eyes and the leading of the Holy Spirit, you have to come to the same conclusion that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are exactly the same. And that God never changes. He's exactly the same from eternity past to eternity future. Now, when in chapter 7, when sin was found in the camp, they had to deal with that because they 36 people lost their lives. They were routed at Ai, and Achan had taken of the, of the loot that he wasn't supposed to. And I didn't go into a lot of detail, but you said, well, his family and all of them were judged for it. It was a terrible uh, judgment. My guess is the family... Since it was hidden in the tent, they all sleep in the same place. The family probably were privy to it. Many others were probably privy to it. But it, regardless, it brought great judgment and on his family and on the nation of Israel. So you go from there to this week, which is even a better title, is The Fresh Start. This is a fresh start. They go and they and they the, the first fruits of battle, God said are mine. And it's going to be interesting what God says about the second battle. 
And today, the Israelites get a second chance. That's why I like teaching this chapter so much, because they get a second chance. Now, I know none of you have ever had a second chance before in your Christian life, but you may encounter some period in time in your life when you feel like you need a second chance. Okay, this is your chapter, okay? So all day I want you to think about Ai. Funny little name for a funny little town. We know there were 12,000 there. But what I want you to ask and answer, hopefully by the end of this lesson, is, is what is my AI? You'll understand in a minute. The fresh start, uh, F.W. Robertson, who was a famous British preacher, said on August 12, 1849 in a sermon, life like war is a series of mistakes, and he is not the best Christian nor the best general who makes the fewest false steps. Poor mediocrity may secure that, but he is the best who wins the most splendid victory by the retrieval of mistakes. Forget mistakes, organize victories out of mistakes. Henry Ford, now this is secular from Henry Ford, but it says basically the same thing. He said, he defined a mistake as an opportunity to begin again, but more intelligently. And I think that's what we're gonna to have today. You know, chapter 8, and I think this is written on your notes, is a, a beautiful transition from chapter 7. And it's, in, it's really in three movements. You go on transitioning from chapter 7 to chapter 8, the first movement is that you go from discouragement to encouragement. You'll see that in the first verse. They were very discouraged. Remember, after Ai, very discouraged. And, of course, you just won Jericho, then you lose 36 people in your next battle, which should have been easy. They go in chapter 7 from defeat to chapter 8 to victory. And they transition from absolute dismay. Remember Joshua, when it happens, what did Joshua do? He fell on his face. He said, what's going on? So you go from dismay to the end of chapter 8, which is worship. Great transition. Now, I'm going to give you the outline. First of all, let me just show you quickly where we're, where we're talking about. We talk about AI. It's very small, so I'll point it out. Here's the Dead Sea, or Sea of Galilee. But they just crossed over the Jordan. Here's Jericho. And if you just go a little bit, what they think, they don't really know for sure where AI was, but if you just go a short distance, 10 to 15 miles, they believe it's uh, from Jericho west, a little northwest, is AI and Bethel, which is also involved in this campaign. So, so I've already given you the three movements, the outline. Let me just tell the story first, and then we're, I'm just gonna tell the story, and then we're gonna apply it, okay? So let's talk through the story. First, God's encouragement and instructions in verse 1 and 2. So he says, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do exactly as I tell you. I want you to gather your army together. I want you to go after AI, and you're going to create an ambush. Okay? It's not like Jericho, which is important. There's going to be, think about this as we talk for a few moments. Why is this so different than Jericho? If we if, if they'd had it their way, I don't know if if it'd been me, I think, look guys, it's like when you played football when you were kids. And you hand it off to this guy 
and, and he runs and he makes 15 yards every time. What, what do you keep doing? You keep handing him the ball off, right? Because this works. I think I would have said, okay, Joshua, we messed up, but I know what we need to do. We need to start walking around Jericho. I mean, uh, AI. We need to go up there. We need to walk around it once, every, once a day for six days and then seven times on the seventh day and AI is ours. But that's not what he said. He said, no, this time I want you to do an ambush. And then, so Joshua goes and he says, okay, here's the plan. And I'm going to take a number of people with me. Then we're going to have a number of people stay here and stay back. And then when they see us coming toward them, they're going to say, well, those dumb Israelites are going to do the same thing they did in chapter 7. Let's go get them. Right? And when they start to go get you, you start running away. You know, oh, no, we're going to get hurt. Oh, no, run away, run away. So they're running away. Right? And those of you that recognize Run Away, Run Away, it's from a movie that I probably shouldn't have watched a long time ago. But uh, my wife is back there pointing at me. Uh, it's the Monty Python movie, the first one, where they said, instead of retreat, they go, run away, run away. All right. I have no idea why I brought that up. But they, they're faking them out. They're saying, run away, run away. And then the king of Ai says, let's go get them. They, those idiots will get, we'll kill them just like we did last time. They go after them. But there's a sneaky group over here. And, you know, he picked 30,000 troops. He put 5,000 in one place. And so he said, all right, as soon as we're gone, he said, I'm going to hold up the javelin, the spear. And when I do that, that's the signal. You guys come around. You come into the unguarded city of Ai, and you burn it down. So they do. And so the battle of Ai takes place, and they do all of that. And the, the city's burning. They look back and say, oh, the city's burning. We better get back there. So they start to get back there. Joshua says, turn around. We're not running away anymore. And they come after them. And then the guys come over on the other side, and they, and they bash them, and they wipe them out. And the results are good. And they end up, they come back, and Joshua says, okay, first of all, let's build an altar. So he builds an altar, and he said, let's bring... Uh, let's worship. Let's bring sacrifices. Let's offer a peace offering. Let's, let's, let's make our confession. And let's thank God for what has happened. And then he takes stone and he writes in front of everybody, he writes the law of Moses on the stone. And then he doesn't stop there. What does he do next? Do you remember? <clears throat> What does he do with these all these uh, stone tablets that he's written the law on? What does he do? He reads it aloud to everybody, to, to all the men and the women and the children, everybody. He reads, and it says he reads all of the law of Moses. So it's going to take a while. He said, sit down. You think I'm long. So he says, sit down. I'm going to read everything to you. Now, that's the story. Now, let's look at the application. This is what I wanted to hurry and get to. Uh, number one, God is ready to encourage and instruct us after we submit to Him. Look at verse 1 and 2. It says now, uh, chapter 8, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear or be dismayed. I mean, that's clear. We'll come back and talk about that in a second. Uh, dismayed, broken, broken. Do not, don't be broken. 
Don't be cast down. It's important. Take all the people of war and go to, go to Ai. And then he says, see, I have given already, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king just as you did to Jericho and its king. You shall take only its spoil and cattle as plunder for who? Who do you take it for? For yourself, right? Is that what he said in Jericho? Huh? No. What do you say in Jericho? Don't take anything. What did Achan do? He took it. Did he get in trouble? He got in trouble. This time God says, no, no, no. I want you to have it. Set an ambush for the city behind it. So he says two things. He said, don't be afraid. Did you know God says that over 70 times in the Old Testament? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He says it in Joshua. Look, go back chapter 1 and, and look at... Uh, Look at verse 2, chapter 1 of Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore rise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them. All right, so this is, that, that sets the scene. And look down at verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers. Be strong, be courageous. He said, I'm not going to fail you. I'll be with you. And uh, look down at uh, verse Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Look, do not tremble or be dismayed over and over and over again. He says, okay, now I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to be afraid, but I want you to be discouraged either. Because if you look back at Joshua chapter 1 again, he said in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people. Now, here's the next part you ought to have underlined in your Bible if you don't. To the land which I am what? Giving to you. I've already given, and we talked about that when we talked about the first chapter. It's already given. You already have it. So you see, don't be discouraged because I've given you everything you need. I've given you the land already. It's a done deal. It's a promise of God. He said, God wants to give you another chance. I've already given it to you. And if you go back to verse, uh, chapter 8, verse uh, 1, it says, See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. I've already given it to you. So God says, I want to give you another chance. This is a fresh start, he's saying. And I want to encourage you. I want to tell you how it's going to happen. And I want, I want you to be encouraged by this. And it's the same thing when you figure out, as you go through your Christian life, what your AI may be. It may be job. It may be your AI. It may be your family situation. It may be your financial situation. It may be your relationships. It may be your kids. It may be your grandkids. It may be, there's all kind of AIs that you and I face. When I said, what is your AI? I go through the list. What came into your mind? That's your AI. Several things came into my mind. And God said, look, you've had defeats in AI before. 
and those issues that you're facing around those, that, that job or around that relationship or around that that battle that you're facing, you face that AI and you've been defeated before. And the enemy says, I think it's time for you to give up. And God's saying, no, no, I, I'll give you a fresh start. I, I'll let you do this again. Psalm, who's got Psalm 37, 23, and 24? Tammy, would you read that? And if you have your Bible, just turn there while she reads because we're going to read two passages in Psalm. Both of these are, are great passages that you ought to mark in your Bible and remember them. Okay, Tammy. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. All right. Who has Psalm 42, uh, 5? Psalm 42, 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Right. For I shall what? Again. Again. Sometimes this fresh start comes after a trial, not a defeat in your life that you are that you associate with AI. Sometimes this AI is a difficulty you're facing in your life. I thought about that this morning um, when I was I was praying and I was asking the Lord to give me something to say to our daughter. Uh, Megan, today would have been their 23rd, Megan and Kevin's 23rd wedding anniversary. And um, so I was thinking, what should I, what should I say? And so I wrote some things and, and prayed and asked the Lord. And then I started thinking, you know, this is what we're talking about today. And I told Megan, I said, great loss and a tremendous, uh, difficult, challenging time in your life. But it's also, you serve the God of a fresh start. And God has something really, really good for you. And um, so it's, our AI is not always just this battle I'm having with, uh, you know, I, I, I'm having a battle with greed or I'm having a battle with, uh, you know, hatred or anger or uh, I'm having a battle with uh, um, this relationship or it's not always that kind of battle. It's sometimes it's the battle of what a trial and tribulation that you're facing right now. It could be an illness. It can be anything that God lays on your heart. And He wants you to know that your AI can be like their AI. It can be a time to see God turn it around. The encouragement is, you got another chance? Just believe my promise. You got another chance. Alexander White said, The victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. Not good? Warren Wiersbe said, God never discourages his people from making progress. God, just let that sink in for a moment. God never discourages his people from making progress. All right, number two. God alone is responsible for our victories. All right, look at verse, uh, we, we, we saw verse 1, but look at verse 1 again where, and just circle the 
in, in 1B where it says, see, I have given into your hand the king of Ai. I, circle I. Go down to verse 7. And you shall rise from your ambush and take possession of the city for who? The Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. The Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, the great I am, He will deliver it into your hand. It's His battle. Those AIs that just came up, that's, that, that's God's battle. We were up. Uh, we went to a, a service yesterday, a, a memorial service. Susan was there, and we were um, uh, we were at this service. And afterwards, uh, Sally and I went to to dinner, and we were sitting there talking. We were talking about uh, we were talking about our class and about our experiences. And so she said, "Give me the uh, give me the cliff notes on the lesson tomorrow." She doesn't want the full thing, you know. <laughs> Can you blame her? Um, so she said, give me the cliff notes. So I'm sitting there and I gave her the cliff notes. And uh, so she, then so I do that so that she can, I think she wants to hear the cliff notes, not because of what I'm going to say. So, so she turned around and preached to me. And uh, what she did very well, she said, listen, whose life group is it? Is it yours? God called you to it. God led you to do it, to start it. To do it. Whose is it, though? I said, well, it's God's. Then she said, don't quit worrying about stuff. It's his, li it's his life group. You're just up there to teach his word. And, what, you know, and I said, man, that's right. <laughs> so she's not getting the cliff notes anymore. No. <laughs> Did you notice that God changed his methods here? Did you notice that? What method did he use in Jericho? Oh, go walking around the city. and It just fell. There's no doubt. This was God that did this. And so God changes his methods on this. Why didn't he just do that again? Wouldn't that be sort of, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me. Just go walk around Ai, scare him to death. And then, you know, why did he do it that way? What do you think? Why didn't he do it that way? He was trying to develop a character in Joseph. Trials bring character. Right. He's trying to build character in Joshua and trying to show him that... He's trying to show him something. And he was building character. What was he... Go along with me on this point. He changes methods, I think, sometimes in how he does things is so that we don't build our victories around my previous personal experience. Because then it becomes all about me and not him. And that's what he's trying to build in him, that dependence on this. The battle is the Lord's. Not your, it's not yours. You don't figure this stuff out. He said, it's mine, and I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you AI. Number three, God is generous. Covetousness is unnecessary. This is just sort of a... A little thing that that I saw in here that I said, you know, that is, what a what a truth that's taught over and over and over and over in Scripture. Look at verse two. You shall do to Ai its king just like you did to Jericho its king. One exception. You shall take its only only its spoil, its cattle, its plunder for who? For who? 
Come on, guys. Wake up. For yourselves. For yourselves. Take it for yourselves. If Achan had just waited, he'd have got it all. He'd have got the Babylonian robe. He would have got the silver. He would have got the gold. He would have got it all because God's not greedy. He's going to give it to us. But God wanted the first fruits, just like we heard in the message this morning. First battle, first fruits. He said, this is mine. It's dedicated to me. He wanted to see, you depend on me. You, you know, and all this is very nice and everything. But if Achan had just waited, what misery had it been, had, would have been uh, averted? Because God's not greedy. I, you know, a lot of people, you know, they said, man, I'm, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to do this. I'm not, you know, because, I, you know, this is, uh, this, that preacher, he just wants your money. I, I thought it was funny a few weeks ago, Pastor Steve was preaching and he said something about giving. And he said, you know, and some of you say, every time I come, you preach on giving. And he said, well, that's sort of an indictment on yourself because I only did it once this year. <laughs> so you don't come very often, do you? But you know, a lot of people think that all this is all about money. And yet it's, it's uh, we serve a God that's generous. We, we generously sit here, all of us today, with all the, I mean, think of what God has given us in relationships, in possessions, in health, and what God has given us. He's so generous. But that's the last point. I want to go to verse 30 to 35. I think I'll read this. We've got five minutes to read this. After victory, they worshipped. A lot different than what happened after their defeat. Verse 30, Then Joshua built an altar to the Lord, as the God of Israel, in Mount Ebal, just as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded the sons of Israel, as is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones, which no man had wielded, an iron tool, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, and sacrificed peace offerings. Then he said he wrote there on the stones a copy of the law of Moses. And everybody was there. And you go on down, verse 34. Then afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that's written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women and the little ones and the strangers who were living among them. So after this great victory, you know, they had a party. No. He said, build an altar. Let's confess our sins. Let's ask God to forgive us. Let's praise Him. Let's spend time in His presence. Let me write the law part of their learning the law. Do you notice later on when instructions were given to the kings of Israel, one of the things the kings of Israel were supposed to do when they became king is to write out the law. Didn't happen very often. But so Joshua was writing and saying, uh, you know, here's, here's the, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. He's writing all these portions of the law, the whole law. Then he reads it all. So they spend time in confession and prayer in his presence and in his word. And that's a great way to spend it after God gives you great victory.
So we go from great defeat to great victory. You hear a lot about Abraham Lincoln's failures and then how he succeeded uh, ultimately. Usually just hear about the, you know, we failed, but you know, ultimately became president. But listen to, he, he was, his life was the perfect example of a fresh start. In 1832, he lost his job. He was defeated for the state legislature. But in that same year, he was elected company captain of Illinois militia in the Black Hawk War. In 1833, he failed in business, but that same year he was appointed postmaster of New Salem, Illinois, and deputy surveyor of Sangamon County, wherever that is. You know where that is? Scott, do you know where that is? That's Probably around New Salem. Okay, all right. In 1834, he was elected to the Illinois State Legislature. In 1835, his sweetheart died. In 1836, they said that he had some type of nervous breakdown. But in 1836, he was reelected to Illinois State Legislator and received a license to practice law in the Illinois State Courts. 1837, he led the Whig delegation in moving Illinois State Capitol from Vandalia to Springfield and became the law partner of John Stewart. But in 1838, he was defeated for Speaker. But in 1838, he was nominated for Illinois House Speaker by the caucus and reelected to the Illinois House and served as the floor leader. In 1839, he was chosen presidential elector by the first convention and admitted to practice law in the U.S. In 1840, he argues his first case before the Illinois Supreme Court and re-elected to the Illinois State Legislature. In 1841, he established a new uh, law practice with Stephen Logan. In 1842, he admitted to practice law in the U.S. District Court. In 1843, he was defeated for nomination for Congress. In 1844, he established his own law, partner, uh, law, law practice. In 1846, he was elected to Congress. In 1848, he lost renomination, chose not to run for Congress. In 1849, he was rejected for a land officer, but he was admitted to practice law in the U.S. Supreme Court, declined appointment as secretary, and then as governor of the Oregon Territory. In 1854, he was defeated for the U.S. Senate and elected to the same year to the Illinois State Legislature where he declined to run for the Senate. In 1856, he was defeated for nomination of vice president. In 1858, he was defeated for the U.S. Senate. In 1860, he was elected president. Now, let's just translate that and translate that. Okay. And I'm not sure if what Abraham Lincoln's spiritual uh, condition was that doesn't really matter. What really matters is that God does even more so with his children, with their AIs. All right, let's pray.